Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. We're starting a new series. We teach about a certain topic for several weeks in a row, and so good Sunday to be here. You'll be here at the beginning. It's called Bad Blood. <clears throat> Today's topic is the empathy lens, and uh, that'll make more sense as we go along. Um, you'll have to excuse me this morning. I fell on the ice. I'm in some pain. I think I'll probably be seated most of the time. Hopefully that, that won't interfere with your uh, uh, connecting with God this morning. <clears throat> we also had some technical difficulties, so I'll be um, holding some notes. <clears throat> so, bad blood. We all have bad blood relationships, right? In fact, I got so much feedback after the first service, but he's sharing about, yeah, I have this sister, brother, you know, whatever uh, relationship that's, that's not good. Um, could be with a parent, could be with this parent-child thing, one side or the other. It could be spouses. It could be... Uh, a roommate, could be a friend, uh, co-worker, could be any, any aspect of our life. We could have these bad, uh, bad blood relationships. <clears throat> so on your outline it says bad blood can affect any relationship. The amazing thing to me is how fast it can happen. My wife and I can be getting along great and something happened and what? The next minute we're arguing and not talking to each other and, and uh, it could be over something stupid even. But it's so quickly uh, our relationship can change. It can go from, I guess, good blood. Is that a term? I don't know. Bad blood's a term. It'll go to bad blood. <clears throat> and it just makes relationships hard. And relationships will work anyway, but it makes it especially hard work. So I'm going to be a little vulnerable, vulnerable this morning and share one of the most difficult ones from my life. And uh, we'll move on from there. Um, <clears throat> I'm the oldest of five children. Uh, my youngest sister, Lois, is 14 years younger than me. So, uh, when my dad died when I was 18, that made my little sister, Lois, how old? Four, four. So, from that time on, I was kind of the male figure in the household for her. So, when we got married seven years later, she was 11. Uh, that was difficult for her because I had moved, I moved out of the house, of course. She came, came to church here, attended church here. I did her wedding. Actually, I did both her weddings. And um, our kids would come here. I baptized her kids, etc., etc. Anyway, 10 years ago, last month, my mom died. And some of you knew my mom. She was the greeter, like Gloria is now. My mom was the greeter out there up to the age of 82. And she was here one Sunday, and by the end of the week, she had died. She had a stroke. Anyway, so I'm my sister's pastor, but I'm also my mom's son. So I did the best job I could, I thought, of uh, ministering to my sister and the family as well as grieving myself. And uh, 10 days later or so, we had a memorial service. Well, I did something that upset my sister. And she would not talk to me. She did not even come to the memorial service. And then he moved to Col uh, Arizona and we had no communication at all for years. I think maybe we texted each other happy birthday, or both our birthdays are in October, hers a couple weeks before mine. That was it. No verbal communication whatsoever. This went on for about six years. And the strange thing is what changed it was, uh, most of you know, our daughter-in-law got sick. And then about six years later, this would have been in uh, probably four or five months before she died, my sister was coming to Hagerstown. She texted me and said, can I come see Aaron? And I said, absolutely. And then I asked a question. Can I be there? Because we had not spoken. 
And she said, yes. And so I was there when she walked in the door and we hugged and began our, our, our relationship again six years later. Um, I'll refer back to the stories go along uh, this morning. But we've all have, have had or are having bad blood relationships. So the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. What I say is this. My, if my relationships are good, life is good. I might not have enough money. I might not be, things might not be going well at work. But if my relationships are good, I think life's good. And I might have all the money in the world and have a great job. But if my relationships are bad, life's just bad. It's not good. Quality of our lives. Our life is just worse when our relationships are good. And how do you handle that? That's what we're going to try and help you with the next couple of weeks. Put on your outline. Happiness comes from peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with others. Now, the interesting thing is here, the first two you can control, right? And if you're in a, uh, a relationship with God, if you're a Jesus follower at this point, you've made peace with God. If not, we're glad that you're here. We say these teachings will help you with or without Jesus, um, especially today's. But it comes with peace with God. So if you have the peace with God taken care of, you can take care of that. Peace with yourself, that's between... You, you might need some help, counselor, whatever, but you can make peace with yourself and peace with God. But the hard one is what's what? Having peace with others because you can't control that, can you? That's dependent on the other person. But to have happiness, the key is to have peace in those three areas of our lives. <clears throat> now you can have peace, this is kind of what we're going to dr drill down on this morning. You can have peace about the relationship even without peace in the relationship. Because sometimes it's not possible. And we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> you can be happy. You can be at peace. You can have joy. Even though, in my case, for six years, I didn't have a relationship with my youngest sister. And we're going to help you, hopefully, be able to do that this morning. So we're going to look at something a, by the a guy by the name of Paul wrote. And he wrote it to a church in Rome. And uh, we're going to divide it up a little bit this morning. We're going to Look at it again next week. But here's what he says. Live I know when you hear that. <laughs> Sounds good, like, right? Uh, good luck with that one, though, right? Uh, this kind of uh, pie in the sky thinking you can be at peace with everyone. It's, well, Paul, what are you talking about? Now, here's the fascinating thing. This Paul guy, he started out as a hater of Jesus followers. In fact, he had them arrested, executed, tortured, all this stuff. So he had bad blood with anybody that would call himself a Jesus follower, right? And then this amazing thing happened, he became a Jesus follower. <laughs> and so you know what that point was? He had bad blood with everybody. <laughs> because he just made enemies with his friends, because now he switched sides, and he hadn't made friends with the Jesus followers. And if you read Acts chapter 9, it's fascinating. He has his experience, and then God comes to this guy named Ananias and says, I want you to go and talk to Paul, help Paul out. And when you know what Ananias' response was? Uh, to God? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going near this guy. That could get me killed. And God, in a vision, assured him it was okay, and he should do it. And amazingly, he goes and helps Paul out. And then Paul goes down to Jerusalem, and the church doesn't want to have anything to do with him. They're afraid to death of him. Of course, eventually he becomes this great missionary leader of the church. 
So if anybody would know about bad blood, Paul would, right? <laughs> At one point he was in bad blood with everyone. And he was able to fix some of that, wasn't he? So obviously this is a challenge. So he helps us out in a couple other phrases in this verse, <clears throat> how to do that. First he says, if it is possible. Okay, now Paul, now it's a little, making a little more sense to me, right? If it is possible, what does that mean? Well, sometimes it may not be possible. For me, for six years, it didn't seem to be possible with my sister. But it also means it might be possible. So if it is possible, if you can do it, if you can figure out a way to do it, do everything you can, we're going to see that in a minute, um, to see if it is literally possible to do. <clears throat> so there's two sides. I did everything I could, and we fixed the relationship, or I did everything I could, and it's, it's still not good. So it's kind of good news, bad news. Good news is sometimes it works. Bad news is sometimes it doesn't. So on your outline, the pursuit of peace, the effort we put in, the energy we put in, even without the promise of peace, because it, it doesn't always work, isn't a pointless pursuit. It's not a waste of time or energy. This is time and energy well spent. I always say it this way. It's always right to do what's right. It's always right to try and fix the relationship in this case. Then he puts another phrase in the verse. It goes like this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and on me, live at peace with every done. I, I can't undo what's been done, and the other person can't undo it, but as far as it depends on you, right? You can't do them, but you can do you. I can do me. As far as it depends upon me, whether it's in relationship with my spouse, my kids, my grandkids, somebody here at church, as far as it depends on me. Now, <clears throat> one about thing about this bothers me. We have this phrase, you do you, uh, in our culture. One thing about this bothers me is it becomes kind of self-centered, right? It's all about me. Uh, and, and so that bothers me a little bit. In this case, this is what we need to do. Focus on us, as far as it depends on us. It's interesting when, as a parent, uh, you kind of lose, lose it with your kids. Maybe you don't ever do I, I've done that a few times, okay? <laughs> Ask my kids. You kind of lose it with your kids, and then later on you see them argue, and you say, hey, 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 hey. You shouldn't be doing that. And if they say something, you say, you can do what I do, say, not what I do, right? Not good parenting, right? Um, the interesting thing is, though, if kids have fights with other kids, my mother-in-law shared this this morning, if kids have fights with other kids from other families, what happens to, to you and the parents of the other kids? You get into it, right? And then five minutes later, what's, what are the kids doing? They, they made up. They're, they're back playing with each other, and then you're still mad with the other parent. <laughs> so Jesus said, become like little children. That might be, a, be one of the ways we should become like little children. <clears throat> so where do you put, when you have a bad blood relationship, where do you put most of your energy? We're going to put a, I think, a, what's the next slide? I'm ahead of myself. We don't have the graphic? Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. What depends on you? What depends on you? All right? You can only do what you can do. 
So where's your energy go? We're going to put some gra some a graphic up here. Right, right. So where's most of your energy go when you're you've got a bad blood relationship? Well, I I might be 20% wrong, but you know, they're the ones that are 80% wrong, right? Isn't that where your energy goes? We, my wife and I do counseling. We see this all the time. It's just natural, right? If I have a problem, it's mostly their problem. If they change, if they did something different, if they would change their attitude, if they would change their mind, they would act differently, uh, talk differently, think differently, whatever. You know. So most of our energy goes on them, not us. And in fact, it may even be worse than this. It may be 90% them. But where's the focus should, focus, where should our focus be? On what we control. On, even if it's 10% you, focus on your 10%, not on their 90%. <clears throat> we say it this way, own it. Own your part in the disruptive relationship. Own your part in the bad blood relationship. <clears throat> Another question we, we can ask is this. Can you go any further? I have did this, I have did this, I've tried this. Was there anything else you can do? Is there anything else you can try? Can you go any further? <clears throat> Is there any other steps you can take? Is there any new ideas? Uh, maybe somebody else, share it with somebody else and they can give you some, some new ideas. <clears throat> so again, we're back to peace. Peace can be possible, for you at least, when you've done all you can do. I've done all I can do. I can't think of anything else to do. <clears throat> Not that I'm contented with this, not that it, I wish it wasn't better. Maybe you can share this in your small group. I would encourage you to do that. Say, hey, this is my situation. I've tried this, this, and this. Can you think of anything else? Or accountability partner, can you think of anything else that might possibly work? And they may give you suggestions, so try that too. At some point, your, your accountability partner, your small group is going to say, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else you can do. Honestly, I think you've done all you can do. And I would say, share it because that first person can pray, pray with you about that circumstance. And I'm uh, not saying that's all you can do at that point, but that's basically about all you can do. I always include in that, God, again, if there's something else I can do somewhere down the line in the future, like with my sister when she said, can I come see Aaron? I said, can I be there? I took the initiative uh, when it made it possible. So if it is possible, Paul is saying to us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you can't control the other you, but you can control you. Live at peace with everyone. Now, I want to share with you a step today, a step that we all can take when we're in this situation or this circumstance. <clears throat> and we're going to show you, uh, yeah, there we go. I know you play golf. How many people play golf? All right. Most of you have seen golf, at least, right? Okay. So you hit your ball on the green. It's over here on the right-hand side. So what do you do if you're playing golf? You go over there behind your ball, and you line it up with the pin, right? Okay. See how the, the, the green is running, the grass is running? So if it's sloped this way, I've got to hit it over here. So it's sloped. You've all seen this on TV. But what do the professionals do? I never did this. I wasn't good enough. But what do the professionals do? At that point, they walk all the way around to the other side and line it up. Because you can see 80%, you can see 90% from one side, but there's always something you can't see 
till you get to the other side. You walk to the other side? Yeah, yeah, semi-professional. Anyway, okay. <laughs> and you can see something you missed from the other side, right? It's a long walk. And if you're watching it on TV, it drives you crazy, right? Well, not people that love golf. That's the exciting part. That's when the, te- you know, <laughs> the tension builds. But for me, I was like, come on, come on, get it back there and hit the, hit the ball, right? All right, so there's a long walk to the other side to see something that you can't, may not possibly see. So we've got a few graphics. All right, so there's me and there's you. We may not have a relationship. At one point, we didn't have a relationship, right? And then somewhere along the line, we have a relationship. We, we become connected. We have a good relationship, a healthy relationship, uh, a growing relationship. A relationship that, that, that adds to our life instead of takes away from our life, right? But then sometimes something happens. And rather being char- characterized by being healthy and, and making life better, it's just it's disrupted. It's bad blood. It's not healthy any longer. And sometimes it's kind of this weird situation. You ever have a fremen, fremen, I can't even say it, frenemy, frenemy. Yes, next slide. <laughs> Sometimes they're great friends, and other times you don't know what's going on, right? Uh, you think, you know, they're in a great mood, and other day they're just a terrible mood. It might be somebody you work with, hopefully not your spouse. But, uh, you know, sometimes you're friends, sometimes you just seem like enemies, and you, don't, you can't understand it. But the problem is our relationships get disrupted, don't they? They become broken. Then the communication uh, ceases. So I want to suggest to you the step that we all can take in this situation is to take the step of empathy. And I'm describing empathy as that long walk around to the other side. Um, Do we have the video? Okay, there's a lady by the name of Brene Brown. She's got famous doing TED Talks. And one of her most famous ones is about empathy. But she's also going to be quoting for someone else, and we'll talk about that after after we see it. So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. (laughs) Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice and it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling 
Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Isn't that great? No wonder that uh, she's, uh, that TED Talk is so popular. Anyway, going over Teresa Weidman's uh, four steps of empathy, take on this, their perspective as truth. It doesn't mean it is true, but you take on the perspective that it is true, which leads to the second point, which is then you're not going to be judgmental, right? <laughs> when I'm thinking it's not true, I'm making a judgment. So I am taking on their perspective as truth, so I suspend my judgment. Then thirdly, I recognize their emotion. I acknowledge, I recognize their emotion, sadness, whatever it might be. And then lastly, communicate that emotion. Now, as, it, as, as, as she said, the, the advice type thing is usually not that helpful. Just say, I don't know what to say. You might communicate that emotion uh, to someone else, not even necessarily uh, to them. So summarizing, sympathy is acknowledging what the other person feels. Yeah, I, I understand that you're sad. I understand that you're upset. That's sympathy. Empathy is a whole another level, as they say, right? It's feeling what the other person feels. Much more difficult, much more, more important. How do you even do that? Well, I would suggest the easiest way to do it is to walk, take the long walk around to the other side to see it from their perspective. So in a difficult relationship... Empathy can be the key to opening a dialogue that leads to a healthy relationship. It has to start somewhere. And experts tell us it's the best place to start, and, and Paul says this is the best place to start, right? Opening a dialogue that, that opens the door to a possibility of, a, uh, once again, having a healthy relationship. We say, walk in their shoes, or walk a mile in their shoes. Not easy to do sometimes. So empathy is the first step the first aid of bad blood. So you got bad blood, what do you do first? I suggest empathy. Tomorrow in the training, they're going to it, teach us how to treat gunshot wounds and so forth. That's part of the training. And so when something's bleeding, what's the first thing you do? I've taken first aid. You apply pressure, right? Now there's other things you can do after that, but the first step is to apply pressure. In bad blood relationships, the first step, the first aid, is to take the step of empathy. So we have this broken relationship, right? Yeah. This bad blood relationship. Um, walk around. Try and walk. If this is me, I'm going to try and walk around 
to see things from the other side. Here's a question for you. Have you done everything you can to feel it from their side? Have you? Have you done everything you can to feel it from their side? In most cases, most of us would have to say, no, I haven't done that. Especially the folks that are married, this would really go a long way to helping those relationships stay strong and healthy, marriage relationships. <clears throat> Why is this so hard? Why, do we do, why don't we do this? Well, a couple of reasons. <clears throat> One, we think that this is giving them an excuse. <laughs> and another reason is we don't want to. We just want to stay mad at them. We don't still want to, we want to stay upset with them. And if I go around, I'm just going to have to lose that emotion that I have, that negative emotion I have. Um, <clears throat> one thing you can discover when you do this is this. Often, this is a, it's kind of mind-boggling, but often it's really not personal. Uh, this just happened this week, I think. My wife's, I can tell by her response that I would raise my voice in a situation. And I, I think I said, it, it's not about you, it's about the situation. I was frustrated in this situation, but she was the one that was there that was getting the brunt of the frustration. So it wasn't personal. And we say it this way often, hurt people hurt people. And that changes my whole perspective. Because normally when in a bad, bad blood relationship, that person's hurting me, what do I do? I hurt them back, right? That's just natural. That's what we do. But when I understand that they are hurting, I see them as somebody with a gunshot wound. And so I'm going to say, hey, straighten up for a gunshot wound. No, I'm going to say, ah, oh, what can I do to help? I'm going to provide first aid. So th rather than pushing back or rather than uh, attacking the person, I am going to come to their aid, to their side. I'm going to walk around to their side. <clears throat> here's a question for you. Is it possible that their behavior has a logical explanation? And most of you guys that aren't getting along with your wife are going to say what? No, it makes no sense at all. Why are they thinking that? Why are they feeling that? I remember the first time my wife cried and asked me what was wrong, she said nothing. <laughs> so here's a better question. Is it possible that their behavior has a logical explanation to them? And the answer to that question is probably what? Yes. Yes, it does. This is, who's this, what's this lady's name? Uh, Ashley Montague said this, human beings are the only creatures who are able to behave irrationally in the name of reason. I think women more than men. No, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> but we do that, don't we? <laughs> behave irrationally. It makes sense to them, obviously. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer question. So here, here's two things to do. And the first one we've already talked about, walk around. The long walk around to the other side to see it from their perspective. Not always easy to do, but that's a good place to start as best as you can. Walk around to the other side. The other thing is then write it down. Not necessarily to give it to them, but to articulate and to formulate those emotions and thoughts in our own mind. It just works better when you write it rather than just think it. <clears throat> articulate it. Doing this will help us bring peace about the relationship if we not, don't necessarily have peace 
in the relationship. <clears throat> now, I want to finish up with this, talking about Jesus. God took the long walk around. He had, for thousands of years, his, his interaction with mankind, he had done different things. He had sent prophets. He had had people had visions and clouds and all kinds of stuff. And uh, one day he said, in his empathy, great empathy, he said, I'm going to do something more. I'm going to walk in their shoes. I'm going to limit myself to a human body in which we call Jesus, right? <clears throat> and so I put that on your outline. Jesus is God's exclamation point of empathy. Not that God wasn't empathetic before, but he was his greatest step, literally coming to earth and walking in our shoes. Did he have to do that? No, God didn't have to do anything. But in reality, he kind of had to, didn't he? If he was going to do all he could to be empathetic. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Why? <laughs> we have one who has been tempted in every way that, uh, just as we are, yet did not sin because he walked in our shoes. That's why he can say to you and I, Forgive one another just as I've forgiven you. I've walked in your shoes. I've forgiven you. Love one another like I've loved you. Why? Because I've walked in your shoes and I've loved one another. Show mercy and grace to one another. Why? Because I walked in your shoes and I showed mercy and grace. So when you make the long walk of sympathy, <clears throat> you are mirroring what Jesus did for you. How awesome is that? And don't necessarily do it for the other person. Don't necessarily do it for me. But do it for you. And most importantly, do it for Jesus. We got a kind of teaser video for next week. And then we'll pray and have a song and let you go. I think we do. Do we? Yeah. Hopefully you can join us next week, and hopefully it's been helpful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the fact that you did the ultimate act of empathy in sending Jesus here to earth to literally walk in our shoes so you can understand anything that we're going through. And I thank you for Paul's instructions to us to keep at it as much as we can, as long as we can, do whatever we can to live at peace with everyone with the realization that Sometimes it may just not work. Uh, God, I want to pray for probably everyone here <laughs> that's struggling in some bad blood relationship. Husband, wife, parent, child, co-worker, whatever it might be. God, help us to, to literally this what we talked about today. So we might have peace with you, peace with ourselves, and as much as possible, peace with each other. God, sometimes we're gonna, we, do, we don't want to. So I would just pray for the want to, because it's hard. But it's hard being in a bad blood relationship anyway. 
God, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us. And we pray for anyone that's maybe not a Jesus follower here this morning that sees the wisdom in, in doing things God's way, your way, Jesus' way. So hey, yeah, I, I want to start following. I want to step across that line. Uh, we'd welcome you to let us know about that decision. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.